0: Physical media and entertainment from the silver screen to the palm of your hand what is going on everybody uh, welcome to from screen to shelf podcast uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different thing we're doing today we're doing a capsule review uh, so this is uh, the first of those first of many uh, but we're going to be talking about our experiences with Exorcist believer we spoke about it in our inaugural episode when we talked about the legacy of The Exorcist and, and what we were hoping to see and look forward to with this new film. Uh, now we've all gotten the chance to see it. Uh, Gabe and Chase, I think you guys saw it Thursday, I believe, mm-hmm. Thursday night. I got yep. the chance to see it Friday. We've all had a couple days to digest everything. So without further ado, I think we're just going to get right into it. Um, Gabe, I know you were looking forward to this the most. Um, I'd, I'd like you to kind of kick it off here and, and give us your thoughts.
1: Oh, For yes. So... That. I mean, it's. You guys know Exorcist is probably one of my top five favorite films of all time. Uh, I adore that film. Watch it all the time. It, it's just, it's a masterpiece, in my opinion. I'm actually going to surprise you guys a little bit. I think that a lot of the critics and a lot of the uh, Metacritic ratings are actually wrong. I think people got this wrong. I mean, I, I'm seeing that it got like 20 something percent and 39 percent on Metacritic. I think it needs to be lower than that. Um, I don't think that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're doing due justice here. Um, I think it needs to be lower than that. Uh this movie was an utter disappointment. Um and it coming some coming from someone who's absolutely passionate about the Exorcist, um, I think that they just got the tone, the atmosphere, everything wrong with this film. Um, I think this film was one that was supposed to show a lot of restraint. Um, it was supposed to set up, you know, a very claustrophobic, isolated atmosphere where um you're pretty much just stuck with this family and you know going through this horrific thing and i think that they did the opposite i think that they branched it out um just did more 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 special effects bringing more people into the 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 plot that you know there needed to be uh bringing in legacy characters like it just turned into a huge convoluted mess and i think that that's the biggest issue that uh david gordon green had in making this movie i think that and and with with the writer i think the writer's name was peter sadler um i think he co-wrote it with david gordon green um they just they didn't show any restraint they just went full out and you know did more 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 and and you didn't get more from it you just kind of left asking yourself what the hell just happened um and I know we're going to get into spoilers here in a little bit. All of this right now is just kind of non-spoiler, just first impressions. But um, I think that the movie wasn't scary. I didn't feel like there was any drama in it. Um, it just really left me discouraged leaving the cinema. And I think it it was because I wrote in my letterbox review um, over the weekend. It's just that they they did so much for this movie that that didn't need to be done. Um, um, I think we had talked about it before. I had brought up a. Uh, Ager's The Witch uh, to you guys. Um, I think The Witch, ironically enough, it's not The Exorcist, right? It has nothing to do with this IP, but I think it encapsulated kind of what The Exorcist was. You know what I mean? It was kind of like this slow build, kind of, you know, um, isolated, claustrophobic, scary, uh, psychological, ideological, you know, analysis. And you don't get that with this movie. This is like just... You're watching just a regular possession movie, and and I think that that's super disheartening, especially when you're slapping the label the Exorcist on it. Um, it's just you, you don't get any of that. You don't get any elements of what made William Friedkin's 1973 a classic. Um, and we'll we'll delve into you know spoilers here in a little bit. The only thing I I have to say that's positive, I think the two girls that um, you know played the the victims of the possession, I think they did a great job. Um, they were creepy um you know they they you know they did the best they they could with what <laughs> they were given to work with um and um i'm sure that you guys are going to reiterate this leslie odom jr i think he did a solid job as well um but i mean they they weren't given enough material to work with um and i think that's what you know made it such a disappointment um so i mean that that's my take i think people have it wrong i think it's worse than what Ron tomatoes and metacritic are saying i think it's it's I'm just super bummed out. And I wasn't, I, I told Chase, because uh, we saw it opening night, I told him, I was like, look, I'm used to it. You know, Exorcist prequels and sequels at this point just never, you know, have lived up to the original, which is fine. And I, I didn't expect this to either. I think I, I, just, I we walked into this movie just wanting it to be a solid experience, just something decent that was, you know, disturbing that we can kind of reflect on and say, that was a good little horror flick. Um, I didn't expect it to reach, you know, the levels of the, of, of Friedkin's classic, but it didn't give us that, so um, super bummed out with this one, guys. Um, the, the the discouragement has slowly built over time. Uh, I wasn't discouraged at first, but now I am, <laughs> and it hurts. Um, I don't know what what do you think, Chase? I know you saw it around the same time I did.
2: Yeah, I think you and I were like beat for beat, maybe
1: like few minutes behind. Or we ahead texted of each, each other like right before it started. Yeah, yeah. We're like, Let's do it. Send positive vibes <laughs> to the universe.
2: Yeah, and yeah, because we'll go into more spoiler territory here soon. Um, it, the ah, jeez, the scariest part of that movie was the fact that I sat down and wasted my time to watch it. The best part of the movie was when the credits rolled because that was the happiest moment. That was the most joy I felt was because I mean I could get up and leave. And very rarely do I feel that way. Like I, I give overwhelming four, four and a half, even five star reviews on Letterboxd to a lot of things that people are like, what? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I find enjoyment out of things that, you know, people find bad and stuff. And especially whenever people like, I know we avoided the reviews and I didn't even go to that early screening that I was offered to go to with that fan club. But the biggest thing is once I saw those going in, I couldn't avoid them. I was like, let me see if I can just read some spoiler free ones. And there were some that were, like, in the 5, 6 out of 10 category and stuff like that. I was like, okay, generally, those are the movies I enjoy the most. You know, when they're rated about 5 or 6, you know, the mediocre, like, decent. Like, we like we wanted at the least, right? So I kind of took it as a little bit of a challenge to take a little bit more away. But as you said, Leslie Odom, like, could it have even he been better? Yes, but as an actor, he went balls to the wall with everything that he could on that script. Um, I think, and... You know, I feel like it is kind of appropriate after, uh, you know, I've already said, like, I like ends the most out of the trilogy because I think it just it took a lot of different strides and stuff like that. But I can understand why people don't like that. Same thing with kills. I can understand why people don't like that. I'm not the biggest fan of 2018, which is pretty much the consensus That's that's one of the better Halloween sequels out of a majority of them. People were stoked. um, People have their taste and flavors. And so people were really bought into David Gordon Green, the writers, the whole team and crew. Which pretty much is copy and paste it onto The Exorcist Believer. Mm -hmm. Did they write this on a napkin at a luncheon or something like that? And then just pass it around, scribble on it and stuff because the pacing was awful. It was a very slow burn and then it just goes, 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 stops, goes, goes, stops. And wants you to care. Um, Like even... The biggest aspect, uh, whenever it comes to the original, which we've said that even in our inaugural episode and the whole nine yards... Whenever it comes to what we expected, we didn't go in there saying, this better be just as good. Like, if you're calling it a direct sequel, yeah. this, this has to be a, a 9 out of 10 or else I'm going to walk out and trash this movie. Mm-hmm. We're reasonable humans on this podcast, I feel like. You know, um, a solid, decent experience, a solid story. A, even, even if it was just something we felt like, even if this could have been better, but set up something that's worth being a trilogy, that's not what happened, though. You know? this did not feel like it sets anything up but just itself for failure and for me to to go in on a movie like this you know like the way that it shoehorns in is only with one line and we'll go in more on spoilers there's one line in there that sets up the actual trilogy and i i like as as good as the, the the actresses uh the child actors were i their name keeps escaping me i apologize but whenever as good as they were with the screen time that they were given they were not given enough screen time for me to care about what happens to them yeah. i i weren't wasn't even given enough to to buy into how the possession started there was not enough for me to buy into that uh it just felt like everything's like here here and that'll be my my little soap opera I'll pass it off over to you Will and then we'll go into spoilers and I know we pretty much all have the same takes in regards to what the, what the issues were
0: yeah I mean I'm gonna piggyback off of what some of the stuff that you guys have mentioned uh, already um the first thing I, I do want to get some positives out there Leslie Odom Jr. um fantastic actor you know really love some of the stuff he's done Knives Out you know for one if anybody mm-hmm. hasn't seen that yet go and check that movie out because he really is really he, he, he's a fantastic talent. Um, and as Gabe and Chase have both said, I just felt that he carries the cross as best as he can, you know, through this uh, very painstaking uh, mess of a movie. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not really anything that I felt stuck out to me. Nothing about it was redeeming in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I, I like the beginning. I felt they opened it up on a decent note. Uh, and some of the buildup to the introduction of Ellen Burstyn's character uh, was was well done uh, in, in aspects, in certain aspects. Um, but it was lacking atmosphere. It, it lacked the atmosphere of the original, the, the pacing was, Chase, you mentioned it, it was just kind of all over the place. It, it's like they didn't know, it's like they started trying to make one movie, and then suddenly they tried to make something else, and it just doesn't go together. Um, and I want to touch on what, what Gabe said about opening this movie up. We talked about this uh, in the first episode. You know, one of the things that made the original film so scary was it was a contained story. It was a contained, you know, experience that those characters were having inside that house with a with girl that was possessed. You know, we saw what it did to her. We saw how it affected the people close to her, you know, especially Chris McNeil, you know, Reagan's mother, Ellen Burstyn's character. Um, and I felt that with this film they tried to do too much in too little time and even though this film is two hours it's not that much shorter than the original there's Mm -hmm. too much going on and and there's too many characters and too many things happening for them to really establish anything meaningful and so because of that You don't really have time to get to really know any of these characters because you're just like, okay, wait a minute. Now they're introducing this person. Then I got this person over here. There's, you know, as a viewer, there's just too much going on to keep track of. um, And everything feels convoluted and thrown together. And it's almost like, you know, they throw all this stuff at you, and then they realize, like, oh, crap, okay, we got to try to tie all this in and, and make all this work, you know, for the possession scene, and it just doesn't. You know, they've kind of—the best way I can describe it is they've opened this can of worms, and then for the last act of the movie, they're trying to put all the worms back in the can, and it just doesn't work. Um, mm. It doesn't work. Um, there's no tension uh, there's some jump scares which pissed me the hell off, and they they didn't even scare me they They didn't get me um because I could predict them coming. um, but an Exorcist movie is not about jump scares, absolutely uh, you know you, you don't Agreed. do that and and we're all sick and tired of jump scares okay i I'll, I speak for a lot of people when I say we're just tired of fucking jump scares. Mm-hmm. and I just feel like this isn't the type of movie that you need to include those in. It's just the fact that they utilize those you know plays into what i was saying in the initial podcast because one of my concerns was whether or not Blumhouse was the kind of studio to to push this story forward into the into the 21st century right in 2023 yeah. i was worried that regardless of of what i know and regardless of the talent that david gordon green has as a director because as i've said he has made some fantastic movies i, I mm-hmm. love pineapple express i mean that's a completely different lane for him in terms of the genre and, and type of story but I really like George Washington. I, I know that he has it in him, you know, to mm-hmm. tell a good story and to, to direct a good movie. But I'm curious and I question how much studio interference there was with this movie, because some of the things that I saw on screen during this movie were immediately came to mind. I said, no, somebody from the studio. This is it has corporate touches all over it.
1: Yeah. Um, And it's commercial just, exorcism, just, pretty much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect way to say it. It was. And by those standards, it was tame. Uh, and I don't want to get into spoilers, but we'll we'll talk about specific things um, in a bit. Um, but that's that's really it for me. You know, I, I liked Leslie Odom Jr. He did the best that he could. I liked hearing the original theme kind of peppered in there. You know, th- that gave you the the nostalgia that that we felt with uh, with Halloween. But yeah, for a first entry in a supposed you know trilogy, uh, I it just felt flat for me you know yeah. all around. So,
1: and just to, before we get into spoilers, just to piggyback what you said too is that, you know, there's so many characters and the the ones you should be caring about are, you know, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character and and the girls. You know what I mean? And and you kind of I mean, you kind of care for Leslie Odom Jr. I think they show a lot of like his struggle and what he's going through. But other than that, I thought everyone else was annoying. You know what <laughs> I mean? The 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 parents for the other girl were obnoxious, the the nurse was kind of Gringy in a way, kind of like how she just kind of, you know, enters herself into the plot. <laughs> um, it's it. I a lot of these characters were just really obnoxious, and I I didn't care for them. Like I think that's the the thing that makes The Exorcist a staple is there. There were a few characters in the original Exorcist. You have the mom, you have Reagan, you have uh, Caris, you have Marin, but they all kind of have their own like individual arcs that they're going through while this possession is happening, right? And that arc is kind of played out throughout the entire movie. And with this, I didn't get that. I just got a whole bunch of characters that were kind of more annoying than anything else. Um, But we we can start delving into spoilers. So uh, just letting you guys know, we are going into full-fledged spoiler territory. So if you want to fast-forward this or um, you know, uh, maybe save this for a later time, do so. Uh, Spoilers start now. And my first spoiler, first spoiler, my two biggest things, my wife and I looked at each other... (laughs) the movie the the freaking gas coming whatever the hell it was i don't know what it was this the green cgi smoke which is it was atrocious i'm like this is stupid i'm like is this the haunting of connecticut what the hell's going on I, I i i didn't expect any major cgi from this movie because i thought that they would try to play from the exorcist as much as possible to you know use as many practical effects as you can but they went full cgi with this like weird smoke stuff and then you have the priest coming in, which is supposed to kind of, you know, save the day, almost kind of like this Avengers <laughs> portals thing, like, hey, I'm coming in, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna do this. And then his neck just like snaps, like, <laughs> within like three seconds. I'm like, what is going on with this movie? And my wife and I just stared at each other. and We almost like giggled, which is not something you want from a horror film, but let alone a direct sequel to The Exorcist. Um i at the and also i guess the last spoiler that really frustrated me is this whole deal with the devil at the end with you know you have to choose one of these girls <laughs> to survive and it's like which makes you the, the parents for the other girl already hated i thought they were obnoxious and then the dad comes in last minute like i choose my daughter and you're just like you fucking moron like you just see it from a mile away i'm like your daughter's gonna die now <laughs> like like you, you made a deal with the devil literally and and it's it it doesn't go anywhere and you don't even get to process at the end. I was kind of curious. I'm like, shit, how did, they, how do her parents feel now? You see him sitting at a diner and then the mom kind of approaching him, but you don't get any resolution mm-hmm. to see kind of like how it impacted them. How, <laughs> no, it's like, it's like, okay, this happened and let's, let's keep going with the story. It was just so convoluted, so freaking convoluted. I didn't care about any of these characters whatsoever. Um, and I, I will give it what kind of what Will said. I think the opening was solid, though. I think the opening in Haiti with, you know, the the mom getting the blessing and the earthquake, I think that there was a lot of emotional impact there. Uh, it set up a good foundation for the rest of the movie. But as soon as the possession stuff happens, it's like you're watching a completely different movie. I think you could literally take the first 20 minutes, you know, and compare it to the rest of the movie. And it's like, what the hell happened here? Um but yeah, to oh God, man, I can go on for hours. I don't know if there were spoilers that you guys thought that, you know, that frustrated you, but those those were the biggest ones for me. It's just these characters that you don't give any shits about.
2: Yeah. Like to piggyback because the goofiest aspect is the part that you're tuning in for, right? Which mm-hmm. is the exorcism. Um, we've all talked about it. I thought I was in for a decent ride that first 30, 35 minutes, maybe 40. Um, I think they spent just as long on the par where it's like the search party, this and that. Like I knew it was going to get goofy once the second the dad just starts going into Tanner, Leslie Odom's character, like the, mm-hmm. um, the other girl's, uh, parents. Or just like you said, yeah. I did not like him when he kicked over the trash can. I was like, I hope I never see this guy on screen again. Every time he comes yeah. on screen, it's just going to be absolutely miserable. And that's what we got, you know? And then the, and I don't think we actually even talked about this yet but whenever I, – I, I want to say maybe it was the actual hospital. Maybe it might have been the the, the psych ward at this point. But mm-hmm. the mom of uh, – not Tanner's daughter. God, this movie is so forgettable. I can't remember character's name except Leslie, Leslie <laughs> Odom's character. So yeah. when they're out there, they're just – like he's out here just trying to talk about – like, again, it's kind of goofy. He's like, you know, might need psych help, stuff like this and that. Mm-hmm. But she's like, is it not obvious? She's possessed by the devil. What the hell? <laughs> What that just comes out of left field, you know, yeah, like yeah. there's no signs, there's none of this, there's no buildup to that. Like there mm-hmm. wasn't the original, which there is a cadence and flow. Like, again, we keep saying we are not expecting it to be the original, but the original is a great footprint if you're going to call yourself a direct sequel. So yeah. to just come out there, it reminds me to get a little bit off left field of the Omen 4. If you've seen the Omen 4, she hits somebody with a lunchbox, the principal pulls her in yep. there, tells the parents, I think she's possessed, or I think she's like the son of Lucifer. What, all she did was hit somebody with a lunchbox. That's how yeah. goofy it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yep. so that came out of left field. Um And I think, Will, it's what you said about jump scares. That's been my biggest complaint. The original never relied on jump scares. Did it have some parts where it just like, you know, the creaks in the walls and stuff like that during the last sure. part where I think I said that it almost felt like a new movie and with the Atmos track and the 4K. Because it gave me, like, whoa, that got loud suddenly. But that's a part of that. Like, I'm not supposed to just get, you know, scared by a crack in the wall. It just got me. But whenever they're talking through the glass and then she just hits it, Mm -hmm. pisses me off when things do that because it got me. Because I saw it in the Dolby Cinema. So it has, like, the subs underneath the seat and behind you. So it felt like, Mm -hmm. you know, like that whenever everybody's talking relatively quiet. It just absolutely pissed me off. All the Reagan stuff really felt like it was shoehorned in. The Ellen Burstyn stuff. Oh,
1: I forgot about that stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, it felt shoehorned in. Like, if this isn't Pazuzu, why are they talking about Reagan? You know what I mean? I get Ellen Burstyn's there and stuff like that, but he also. Yeah, why are
1: you itching her name in in the wood? (laughs)
2: like this, hiding underneath there because, like, they were creepy. Uh, The Mm -hmm. girls, while they were possessed and the scenes that they were in there, it it was creepy. You know, there was some solid stuff in there uh, in that aspect. Um, and then to piggyback a little bit more, like the Dr. Strange portal ass thing with the, uh, the (laughs) The father, the priest, yeah like he comes out of nowhere whenever he goes to approach, like, I forget exactly what the verbiage is whenever you go to a council and ask for an exorcism. And the nurse is with him. And then he's like, I've been watching these girls, this and that. Bro, where have you been? You haven't been in the rest of the movie. Your first appearance was sitting in the waiting room for maybe 10, 15 seconds of screen Mm -hmm. time just to exist. And like, it's called The Exorcist because the original focused on the priest, his struggle with faith, as we've said Mm -hmm. many times before. So it wasn't an exorcist movie because there was no exorcist. Exactly. Whenever he comes in and then um, Tanner, Leslie Odom's character, comes out, I actually did like that scene. He's like, hey, the fight's in there, not in here. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a pretty decent scene even though it was executed, could have been executed better. I liked it. It was emotional. It was impactful. Bro, we need your help. I like that line a lot. Mm -hmm. It was a good line, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It just needed to be built up around not Tanner, Leslie Odom's character. It needed to be built around the the father more. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, The priest. And... God, we we can go on about how dumb the smoke out of the mouth was, because it's not the fact that the smoke comes out; it's what they. Uh, I believe it was the. Um, what they call it? Yeah. So they're like. So I believe it was the the spiritual lady. They're
0: erupting. They're,
2: yeah, they're, eru- they're erupting. They're erupting. The <laughs> fuck? Are they possessed by a volcano? What do you mean they're erupting? What? what where is this coming? Yeah, Are they just like,
1: burst? The, yeah. and the yeah. fireplace did something. I don't know. if She fucking lit the fireplace and the smoke like the sage what was that like yeah <laughs> like what? what is this what are we watching
0: <laughs> yeah like that
2: i get like because apparently like sage is like a spiritual thing that neutralizes bad sure. energy and omens and like that i got yep. but what the fuck is she erupting from ectoplasm you know <laughs> <laughs> like what is it and yeah we can't talk enough about how the priest just comes in there and then just like i'm here to save the day <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's just so sudden um, the father coming in there saying, I choose you, like as if it's a Pokemon, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it just makes no sense. The, the legacy characters, I can go on and on about how horribly utilized, not all, I'm not going to categorize everything. Sometimes it's done justice. Sometimes it pays homage um uh, again we're in full-on spoilers the way linda blair was handled the way that mm-hmm. ellen burstein was hand- handled and their characters with reagan and um mcfield that's their last name right mcneil
1: mcneil yep you're right so mm-hmm. like the way that that was, was not McNeil, wanting to yeah.
2: yeah not wanting anything to do off of a book uh um, yeah that
1: pissed me off dude i was like that's why you're not talking to your mom because she wrote a book yeah. And, and I get that, but I, I, and I, and I get it to a certain extent, right? Where it's like, okay, that maybe might piss you off. That was my personal experience. But your mom's like in her nineties right now.
2: No, exactly. <laughs> like,
1: how, like how much time do you have left with your mom and you're not going to talk to her?
2: Exactly. And like, so the, the aspect, you know, I, I, made a joke off camera about this. Like, I feel like the only reason the, you know, whenever Ellen Burstyn went up there and then, um, not Tanner's daughter, the other family's daughter, whenever she's possessed and stabs her eyes out with the cross, they only did that so that she has no possibility of reading the script for this second movie. You know, like it it just makes no sense. It makes zero sense. Like I'm tired of legacy characters being violated for the sake of, oh my God, they did that because there is a good way to do that. And there is a bad way
0: to do that. Um, it's it works when it's when it's built up properly exactly sure. when they when they take time to provide you with the buildup they can do it right that we're not saying that we don't like it's not that we well yeah i mean we do care how they execute it but it's not that she got her eyes stabbed out by by i think it was Catherine, the girl's name mm-hmm. it's that there was no buildup to it we don't care about what's happening so in this case in, in you know regarding this movie, it's just a wasted opportunity. It, it's Agreed. just ridiculous and funny and, and just off the wall. I mean, that's how it comes across. Um, it's not thought out at all. You know, they just thought, okay, let's throw this in there to fucking shock people, except that it, it doesn't work because <laughs> we don't care about what's happening. At uh, all. It's just goofy.
2: And then what am I supposed to like, whenever the happiest part is when the credits roll is right before that. <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to get up and cheer when Linda Blair just comes in mother, I'm here. I forget exactly what she says, but like that oh, yeah. is the goofiest cameo. I think they should have left it to being like an image on there. And if they really do have these next two planned, which there's no way they're they They've already, they spent $400 million on these rights. There's no way the second and third one's going to go out, which I'm going to pose a mm-hmm. question to you guys after. Um, will you give your take? But yeah. I don't see any possibility of the, the next two overriding the tragedies of this first one. Because this is the Mm. first one. It's different than like, again, it's the same director, same team. So we're going to be bringing it up. Whenever it comes to the Halloween trilogy, it started off strong and then it's a mixed bag depending on who you talk to. I like the next two after that. I think it's a decent trilogy at the least. But I don't see any way whenever this is your whole buildup of counteracting the missteps in this one. Like you Mm. did so much wrong and didn't explain so much it's going to kind of be a star Wars type of situation where you're going to have so many people possibly trying to overwrite what somebody else set as a precedence just to constantly retro um, retroact everything that has gotten said. And then you're going to spend all this Mm -hmm. time off of all of our complaints spending the second movie to the point where now you have another exorcist movie. That's not even going to remotely do much except Mm -hmm.
0: just be exposition. So that's, that's mine. That's my soap opera. Th- this situation could play out and i'm going to reference halloween but i'm I'm going to go back uh to the late 80s early 90s this could play out similar to how the halloween franchise played out with halloween five yeah whereas halloween five set up so many crazy things and was such a bad movie and the script was so off the wall and ridiculous that when they were doing six they're like all right well how the fuck do we how do we patch this up <laughs> like it, it could play out the same way and. Mm-hmm. and Halloween 6 became known for that, and, and that's why it is what it is, and it has the problems it has because it's like, you once you open up the floodgates, it's hard to go back, you know? And, and Halloween 2018 was a solid movie. Not everybody liked it, but, but critically, it was well-received, and overall audiences enjoyed it. So for David Gordon Green and co. and, and Blumhouse, it was a solid opening, mm-hmm. right? Where, whereas with this, like they fumbled right out of the gate. So it's like, okay, like how do you take the ball and run from here? Because now you got to figure out how to correct all these mistakes, you know, and David Gordon Green's been pretty transparent about his creative process. You know, he was very open and forthcoming about what he learned after 2018 Halloween uh, was released. You know, he took notes, Mm -hmm. he listened to audience feedback, he listened to the fans. Um, you know, there's situations where you do that too much. You can also lose focus of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I do respect him for coming forward and saying, "Okay, we're we're going to do a few things different with kills." Um, with this movie, I, I just I, I don't know how I don't know how they even move forward with this. Uh, you know, unless they get another creative team in here to 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 fix this. I mean, it yeah. was just that it was that much of a ball drop.
1: You know. I think it's going to turn into I think one of you guys used the Star Wars analogy which is like a perfect analogy for what's going on here. I think that you know yeah. you had Force Awakens and then I think it was the well, the last Jedi that like pretty much split everything, right? Where it's like you brought yeah. Ryan Johnson in and the I think the the reason that f- that trilogy failed is you didn't have a set story from the get-go. You didn't have mm-hmm. a, like an idea from the get-go that you could stick with and then everything with the third installment was just fixing all the mistakes from the other ones and kind of you know catering to what fans wanted but I mean you kind of did it too late you know what I mean it's like the this the plot's not making sense anymore and I think that could potentially happen with this one I don't know if if they brought in a new team I I I don't know because I'm so discouraged right now I'm like I I don't know if you could do it but I want to say if you brought in a new team that could maybe take we talked about like the a24 approach right like what would that look like you know it wouldn't be a24 obviously but if you if you brought in a new team who maybe could kind of look at it from that perspective and say okay you know what let's let's focus more on just making an intricate story like like and and that's it i i think they could maybe do something but i i would need to see a different writer i would need to see a different director um i don't have any animosity towards david gordon green i think he just had a a vision of what he thought this movie would be. Um, and I heard, I've heard him talk about it in interviews where he thought, you know, bringing this kind of sociological aspect into it where you're analyzing, you know, faith, religion, different religions, you know, different value systems within a community. Um, I think he had an honest, genuine passion to make a good movie. Um, it just, that vision just didn't translate well in, in terms of execution. Um, so I, I think that they could maybe salvage it. I think that you'd need to bring in a whole new team and you need to, from the get go, say, okay, this is where we're taking the story, and this is where the third installment's going to. We need to, we need to brainstorm all of this right now. You can't just make part two, and then see how it does, and then you know come up with a story after that's done. I think you really need to brainstorm the entire story from the get go. Um, but I, and I'm trying to think. I don't know. Do you guys have any idea of who you'd want working on? on a on a a sequel to to deceiver i know we're probably going to get david gordon green again um i'm not hopeful that you know i'm not too hopeful that they're actually going to change the director and the creative team but i mean i don't know who could maybe handle this um in terms of directors or or writers
2: i don't know because i mean you can't necessarily go with too big of a name right because then the expectations Mm -hmm. out the get-go get you know kind of overblown you know yeah um like I, of course this would never happen but let's say they announced john carpenter is going to make a um an exorcist movie right mm-hmm. my god you know like some of his later stuff as much as i appreciate that he still makes some movies every now and then or did quite a while ago it doesn't mean that they're always good kind of the same thing yeah. with hope hooper's yeah. filmography as you get later on and stuff he has some good ones but they're
1: mm-hmm. a lot of
2: misses. Um, I forget the the name of him, but um if you want a really good drama, Scott Derrickson. He did Emily yeah. Rose. That would be probably the best name, but that's still a big name. He did Doctor Strange, he did Sinister, he did Emily Rose. Um he's done quite a few very successful movies that I don't think anybody strongly dislikes, really any of his filmography. But I also forget the name of the person that did the last exorcism. That would be a solid approach, a fresh mind. Mm -hmm. He also did uh, Pray for the Devil, which that movie was awful. But um, (laughs) he had some good ideas, though, you know, but not like this, you know. Like that movie, as much as I disliked that one because it was essentially like X-Men Exorcists, but Mm -hmm. he had some ideas that could have just been executed better with a better budget, with, you know, a little bit more of a push. With the budget of this, Scott Derrickson – Oh my God. You know, if he was given $30 million to make an exorcist movie, Mm -hmm. um, Emily Rose isn't terrifying, but it builds such an, but it was a new. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think you'd never had something like that. I I love that movie. And I don't think uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I have the DVD. I don't think there's a blu-ray for it yet. Uh, Maybe there is. I, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, I have the DVD still like that movie to me stood out because you have this like exorcist story which is, I mean, the, the the scenes are creepy as hell, but then you have this compelling courtroom drama that's like intertwined with it. And it was so different at the time where you're, where you're examining a lot of the themes that we're talking about, you know, like, you know, faith, science, religion, um, the legality of something like this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, an exorcism when someone's not, you know, mentally or physically, you know, capable of going through it. Like, how does that play out? It, it was such a engrossing movie. Um, I would love to see him, direct an exorcist film the, the the name that was coming up for me um was mike flanagan um i know he did a lot of the haunting of hill house um i think he did ouija i think i forgot which one he did i think it was like the beginning or something like that, the the prequel to the ouija movie um he's taken a lot of material from like uh you know books and stuff like that and translated it for tv series but he's just a good filmmaker i think he really does well with like character development and fleshing out a good story and, um, and keeping something really contained and really like tight knit. Like you can have multiple stories going on and he always ties up the bow perfectly. Um, so like Mike Flanagan, I think would be a freaking awesome choice to, to carry on and do a, an exorcist movie with. He's uh, got a
0: great track record too, Gabe. He, I think mm-hmm. he did Dr. Sleep, didn't he? I love, oh Doctor yeah, Sleep. he
1: did. Oh, he I love Dr. Me. Sleep, man. I haven't awesome, seen that. Awesome I need guy. to watch it. Oh, dude, it's such yeah. a good movie. He honestly knocked it out of the park. I think he—he it was a good blend of doing something new like that you would not expect for a, a Shining sequel, but also keeping a lot of the same elements of the original into it. I think it's, it's perfect with what we want with The Exorcist. That's what we wanted with this installment, right? We wanted that kind of like pay homage to the original, but you know, give us something new at the same time. And I think if his name was announced for it, I'd be totally... Total I'd my i my excitement will creep back up again. I'd have a little bit more hope. Um but I'm not sure if that's gonna happen.
2: I hope. I mean uh by the way, Emily Rose is on Blu-ray and it's on sale for nine dollars on it? Amazon. So Oh shit. Yeah, I know you're about to open up a new tab and
1: Yep, <laughs> let's go. Just order that shit. <laughs>
2: Um, it's just such a slippery slope. I mean, you know, Exorcist three, I think is one of those underrated sequels. I think it's Mm -hmm. solid. It's a solid drama. You know, it's not, it's got great atmosphere to it. Um, I, I, I also like George C. Scott a a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. I think he carries Mm -hmm. any movie he's in. Um, he's great, you know, Patton and stuff like that. But to come full circle to this guy, um, with Exorcist Believer, It's just there have been so many misses that where people haven't even gotten close. You've had people that have just made their own exorcist movies or exorcism movies Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that could be just as much of an homage to the original without having that title, you know? Yeah, Um, absolutely it like, like, felt like it
0: could be any other possession film it, it didn't stand out and that's mm-hmm. part of the problem like and you guys touched on this earlier when when you announce that you're doing a direct sequel and you're going to omit everything that came like you're going to forget about exorcist Two, the heretic which
1: is fine you know, for
0: good reason <laughs> but well, i don't know i might watch that again after seeing this and and compare the two and see if there's anything about that movie that's redeeming but probably not but i mean exorcist 3 is a solid follow-up i think if they took notes from that you know not necessarily obviously including exorcist 3 in this timeline but taking pacing notes um atmosphere in particular like those are two things that you said chase that movie did perfectly exorcist 3 is underrated um Mm -hmm. it's it actually doesn't have that good of a rating on rotten tomatoes or metacritic but that's a very solid follow-up. Psychologically, it, it's fantastic. The writing is, is very on point. Again, pacing and atmosphere is everything. I don't think this movie had that. Um, I have a few other spoilery things I want to get into, but I want to let you finish, Chase, on, on your thoughts before I go on. But yeah, I, I just felt they could have taken that blueprint and applied it much better than this movie.
2: No, go right on ahead, man. I pretty much off my soap opera. I can just keep complaining about the yeah, eruption for hours, It's the lamest <laughs> yeah. line in a movie I've seen in a while. And I watched the nun too. <laughs> like, yeah. Damn. I watched the nun yeah. too. And that's one of the lamest line deliveries I've seen, but that's pretty much my soap opera. I'm curious to hear what you have to say, Will.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's for spoilers, I mean, the, the way in which the girls were possessed, I didn't quite understand why they had to show too much of that. I, I get it. They were in the forest, like, you know, performing some kind of ritual with the candles and swinging the pendant back and forth. I think it had something to do with, like, hypnotizing themselves and trying to cross over into that other realm to to communicate with the dead mother, Um, you know, who who obviously we know what happens to her. She dies in Haiti in the earthquake in the beginning of the movie. So there's that whole thing there. I just felt that they didn't need to show as much of that. It was one of those things where it's like, all right, here we go. You know, like the Mm -hmm. original movie, why it was so unsettling is that it's the subtlety of it, right? Where Chris McNeil, Ellen Burstyn's character, she finds the Ouija board, you know, after the fact. That Mm -hmm. that gateway or that portal to hell or or that communication with the evil spirit, Pazuzu, um, the demon, that's already happened. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that bridge has already been built it's already taken place right so it's so much more effective because once we see that that's such a visual cue like oh fuck yeah we're already she's already fucked like she's Mm -hmm. already going to go down that road and we see it very slowly build and progress to the point where we see physically how reagan's character changes right from from a beautiful young innocent healthy girl to this monster right this monstrosity that that she's just horrid to even look at right Mm -hmm. Um, and and you know, kudos to the special effects and special makeup effects for that original movie because to this day it it still holds up, right? Oh yeah. Um I felt that the practical effects in this movie were were decent. Um the girls look great, like when they were in their final possessed forms, so to speak, the makeup was great, the eyes, they they nailed that. I just felt that we didn't really get that slow progression that we got with the original movie. And so you kind of see them as like regular girls and then they go into the woods, they disappear for the three days that they're gone. And then they come back and you see some parts of that or some elements of that. But again, it, it, it falls in line with what we were saying earlier, that everything feels fragmented. Everything feels thrown together and just kind of presented to us. I said in my letterbox review, there's no cinematic weight or, or gravitas behind any of this. It just feels kind of put in front of you. And it's just like, okay, here, here we go. You know, this is happening. Um, and there's really nothing to take away from it. Mm-hmm. But the, the possession scene, I felt, or the initial contact, so to speak, with the demon, I felt like they didn't need to show that, you know, and then the whole exorcism scene, we can get into that. I hated the fact that uh, Anne Dowd, who I love, she's a great actress, mm-hmm. the fact that her character was just like, you know, she has a quick conversation with a priest who's been, you know, involved with this for years, and he just kind of passes the mantle on to her. And there's that whole like cringy scene where they're outside out back in front in back of the house. And she looks at everybody. She's like, I can do this. Yeah. You know, I've been blessed. I said, no, you can't bitch. <laughs> you can't fucking do this. Like, and, and you kind of get that idea that no one knows what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they open this movie up so much. They throw in all these characters. The exorcism scene was so hectic. There was so many people involved. I'm losing track of who's who. You know, I forget that you had, I think it's one of the other neighbors. I forget who he is. You guys can oh, maybe yeah. help me out here. The guy with the glasses who like introduces like the witch doctor.
1: Yeah. Like so random.
0: I, <laughs> I forgot who that guy was. It one of the neighbors. I think he's like, yeah, it was his neighbor.
1: Buddy. Yeah. And that was creepy too. Right. Because he, he'd like, I remember he came home and his door was open yeah, he's and just he just like, has he, has these like witch <laughs> and doctors in, in his, his daughter's his room.
0: And he like, just kind of, he's <laughs> like, you guys need to leave. I'd be like, dude, I'd be way more pissed. Yeah. I'd be like, what and the? Then, f- you know, why did you
1: get I'm into like, my leave? house?
0: <laughs> Breaking and entering and just fucking throwing like sage and shit in my house. It's like, what? Yeah. The hell I'm is like, this? dude, you're a
1: fucking creep. Get the fuck away from me.
0: But, you know, and then the exorcism scene, as you guys said, it's just the whole thing with like the haunting to Connecticut. I don't know what they were doing there. That, that was just not that, that whole thing did not need to be included in this. And that's what made the original so special is that they relied on practical effects to really Mm -hmm. drive home the point, you know, and for the fact that they had to throw VFX in there and, and go that route was for me. And I'm a big effects guy. Obviously, you guys know I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'll take practical effects over anything VFX 100%. any day. Not that VFX doesn't have its place. We love our VFX artists. You know, mm-hmm. we support them. But it's just, again, that over-reliance on something that wasn't even needed in the first place. And yeah. that's what makes it even more confusing. It's just head-scratching. Like, why was this included? Like, what was the point of this?
1: And that could have been uh, the studio felt- interference that you referenced earlier. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah, well, they wanted like, hey, build this up, make it more, yeah. you know, expansive in some way. And yeah. it's, it just leads to, you know, less of an impact.
0: When I made the joke about, you know, David Gordon Green not having complete control in, like a, in, in a situation where a studio comes in and says, okay, well, you know, statistics show that we need this. We need, you know, we need 11 jump scares. We need to have this in there. we need, And, and I question how much of that happened with this because mm-hmm. it just feels like, it, it, it was something with good intentions, but there were too many hands in the pot. And the end result is something that's pretty much just like a corporate kind of mess of a project, uh, you know. And, and I want to touch on like the violence and the blood and gore or lack thereof, because mm-hmm. there really wasn't much in this movie. Now, I'll say this. It's important to note here that the original film didn't have a lot of blood and gore either. You know, it yep. had, you know, the infamous scene where she's stabbing herself with the crucifix. Yes, that's shocking, but the, the the reason why that's so effective is because you have the character work and the story, mm-hmm. you know, to build up to that. You're you care. An invested and you care about what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, and the original film takes its time to develop that relationship with Chris McNeil and Reagan and also Father Karras. You know, we know what he's going through. And what's so great about that movie is that they're, they're kind of on these paths. They're kind of dealing with these struggles, right, mm-hmm. with... Chris McNeil, it's a, it's a struggle with, you know, losing her daughter, you know, the potential that she's going to lose her daughter forever to whatever force is overtaking mm-hmm. her. And with Father Karras, his fear is, is that he wasn't there for his mom and that he's going to lose her forever and, mm-hmm. and live with the regret. And he's battling with that. Right. And they're kind of on these paths and their paths, they're, they're, they cross, right? Yep. like fate, fate brings them together. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so interesting about that film. And it's a perfect way it's a perfect example of of a story where you can focus on more than one character and have their paths cross in a meaningful way. Whereas with this movie, uh, yeah, I think from the get-go, they set out to do that by trying to bring all these people together. But again, you open it up too much, and suddenly you lose track of what you're trying to do in the first place. Because now it's like, okay, well, now we got we to gotta follow up on this. We got to tie this person in. It's in forced. In. It's forced. Like, it's totally forced.
1: To yeah. And I think that just what you said was beautiful, like where it's just like you have these people on kind of going through congruent paths. Right. And then they just kind of like naturally converge. Right. And and it's it's so well done. And in this one, it's like it's so freaking forced. It's like just throw everyone yeah. in the same room and, and, and let's see what happens. And it's like, no, see dude, who like, erupts. What is, what
0: are you doing? yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so who erupts but are they rough. tried to
0: up the ante and they but they didn't up the ante because that's mm-hmm. the thing there's no build-up to anything and then there's really i don't think there's a vomit scene I, we've talked about this before i think there's one scene where there's, there's somebody spit you know, at you know, and the nurse. A or yeah. yeah but that, i mean i honestly the most violent scene in this movie was when you know chris mcneil gets stabbed gets her eyes stabbed out with the crucifix and and, and there's
1: no just, emotional impact with that either i was kind of like well <laughs> I rolled my eyes i was like <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, it's supposed to be this intense scene, you know, it's a legacy character, whatever, but I was just like, really? Like, that's what you guys did? You stabbed her in the face? Like, cool. Yeah, and there's, I...
0: There's a reason why that grotesqueness of the first mm-hmm. movie, that, that's impactful. You know, like when you see what's happening to Reagan physically, you know, the, the stabbing with the crucifix, mm-hmm. the vomit, like the, the scars, and the, the, mm-hmm. the cuts all over her, you know, and the head turning, you know, and then, and then the director's cut, the spider walk, which spider is... Spider walk, the, yeah. And, and some people feel that the spider walk doesn't need to be included, that it doesn't serve the story, but it's another one of those scenes where it just, it sends that message home that, like, God, like, you know, this is like, terrifying thing, and, like, this mm-hmm. these things can't normally happen to a human being. Mm-hmm. They had none of that in this movie, so... There's really nothing, there's no shock factor or anything that really drives home the point of, holy shit, that's disgusting. Like, yeah, I, I can tell that there's a demon inside of this person because a demon would force somebody to do this. Right? Yeah. Uh, the only scene we really get like that is the the scene I mentioned with uh, Ellen Burstyn.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I'm going to say is just the the ending. I, I think that the, the original, it wrapped up really nice. Like I, You guys have heard me say a lot of times I'm very picky with horror movies and the way they end, but I feel The Exorcist is like the perfect blend of like a bittersweet ending. And that's typically what I want in a horror film, right? It's never going to play out perfectly. You know, Father Karras dies. Like that, that yeah. sucks. But I mean, you know, Reagan survives. You know what I mean? And the family's going to, you know, they're traumatized, but they're going to kind of push forward from it. And that's what you get with the first one. And in this one, it's like... You, you're literally watching this little girl being dragged into hell <laughs> yeah. a girl that's like, done nothing but you know just she's literally getting dragged into hell uh, uh odom's character gets you know his daughter back and it's supposed to be it uh, yeah I, I don't understand like what they thought that ending would i, I know they're trying to leave it open for deceiver but it, it just didn't work for me
0: i felt bad for the girl like Catherine, i think her name was that, that ended up getting dragged to hell like yeah dude i felt like like shit but i was like really like that's how this is what we're doing then you have the bit at the end where again Ann Dowd's characters uh i think she's at the police station talking to the detective and you know she brings up the whole like community aspect and they're talking about how people move forward from this that seemed like shoehorned into me it's like okay Mm -hmm. here's like Here's like the preachy thing where it's like we talk about community and how evil affects, you know, groups of people or whatever it is, you know, which, again, we've heard this before with, mm-hmm. you know, Halloween kills and the whole mob mentality and how evil can overtake a community and, yeah. and how it can affect the community. So, again, I feel like they're taking a lot of aspects and a lot of tropes and, and things that they've done with those Halloween movies and just assuming they can kind of apply similar themes to this and just hope that it works. But I, I, it's, it's not so far at least with this entry. So it's not complete uh, copy and paste. Yeah. Um, just very underwhelming for me. I don't know what you guys want to give it. I mean, I I gave this a star and a half on my letterbox, so that's probably like I a think three we out 10.
1: honestly all did that and we didn't even talk to each other about it. Like we were kind of yeah. reserving our reviews. We we knew we were all disappointed, but I think we all ended up giving it a star and a half, which equates to like a three out of ten, I guess. That's being generous. Yeah. yeah. I mean it it's really just Odom, right? And the girls. I think we all agree that they did a good job. And I think outside of that there's maybe the the intro and that's it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Like, I just, I, I just, I really could see where the direction, not necessarily wanted to go, but could go. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I could definitely see some things like give us, give us the, uh, the raw footage, man. We'll, we'll cut something, uh, some decent, something decent mm-hmm. up and we'll let you re release it theatrically. Like, there's just, there has to be like, uh, some other stuff. Like, you guys were talking about studio interference. There has to be more. I would not be surprised if there's a, you know, there's a vouch for the the Gordon Green cut, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, do I think it will necessarily be better? No, because that movie's already two hours long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, I had somebody actually, uh, there was a reviewer I was listening to. He's like, that's actually relatively short. Like it was like an hour, 52 minutes. It's actually relatively short in comparison to what it could have been, right? It could have had an extra 20, 30 minutes because a lot of movies, especially drama, horror-esque movies like this, Tend to try to run around the two hour, 10, 15, 30 minute mark. And that's with extra cuts and everything like that. But it doesn't need to be longer. Mm-hmm. The one, an hour 52, an hour 57 is already generous enough. Like you spent 45 yeah. minutes building up to nothing, then spent about another 15 minutes making me care about something that I do care about, but stopped caring about as the movie kept progressing. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the then, path is set forth already. It's, it's, nothing, yeah. the, 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 the scenes that they would add on really wouldn't. Impact the trajectory of what we got. Not at all. Um, and my last complaint before we sign off is just, please. I, I know it's not going to happen. It, film it on on celluloid, please. Like like to me, that's a big thing. It's like fucking replicate that atmosphere as much and he did that a little bit with with halloween i remember what was it kills i think at the beginning like i don't think it was shot on film but he used oh, some form yeah. of filter think... yeah the flashback scene was kind of like at least he used like a, i think it was like a filter of some sort because i think it was shot digitally but like it, he was like let me replicate this to make it look kind of like you know the this you know the originals and the sequels i'm like dude do that here <laughs> like please just give me some yeah. kind of atmosphere that you can replicate well, next-
0: yeah, and you want to replicate that style somewhat. Again, we are we don't want to copy, like, cookie-cutter paste of the original no. movie. But what you said about Halloween Kills, Gabe, like, yeah, I believe that was filmed on digital. But the technology exists. Like, what they did with that in Halloween mm-hmm. Kills was the high point of that trilogy yep. for me. They did an amazing job. But it's a testament that that can be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they have the ability to do that creatively um, and, and make it look great. And, yeah, I... We talked about this when the trailers came out, and although I kind of liked the trailer, like, it was okay. I mean, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love mm-hmm. it. It was it was passable. And I was forgiving. You know, I had told you guys, um, the movie could be edited much differently. I know a lot of people didn't like the trailer. One of the big complaints I heard was it has that modern, generic, like, horror look to it. Like, mm-hmm. the generic horror movie vibe, Right. With the editing and just the color or or color Mm -hmm. saturation or lack thereof, it just had that modern look to it. And that threw a lot of people off from the Mm get-go, right? So I can totally understand where where you're coming from with that. Because, yeah, when it has that modern look, it doesn't fit the style of of the story that they're trying to tell. You know, I would have appreciated uh, some kind of filter or any kind of effect to make it look a little more, like, just give it that classic look. You know, just tie it together, you know? Tone and atmosphere are everything.
1: hundred right? percent.
0: You can have a movie be horrible, but if you get your tone and atmosphere right, like that's what people said about Halloween Kills. Overall, a lot of people don't like that movie. Mm-hmm. But if you ask a lot of people, nine people out of ten will tell you, well, the flashback scene was fucking banger, dude. Like, mm-hmm. love that. You know, because yeah. it brought them back. It connected them mm-hmm. to that original film that they love so much. You know, they, they they had the opportunity to do that with this and obviously, you know, chose not to do it. But yeah. The atmosphere is big for me. You guys know I talk about that a lot. Atmosphere for me like sells a movie, you know? Yeah. A- and I can forgive a lot of stuff if they get the atmosphere right, especially in a movie like this. You need atmosphere to help establish this kind of story. And and the fact that this movie barely had any was just it was just a letdown, you know, overall for me.
1: Yep and i don't think there's any more i mean mean, well maybe we could probably go for hours talking on this movie but i think that 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 pretty much sums up what we thought about it so um we appreciate you guys for listening as always um you guys have been awesome you know uh hearing us talk and (laughs) and vent about you know different movies and you know giving us feedback we appreciate all of that you guys have been tremendously awesome um and you know Just keep looking forward for good things to come. I think we're really trying to build up this podcast and uh, see where else we can go with it. So we appreciate you guys a lot. And uh, we will see you on the next one.
2: See you on the next one, guys. Later.